Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And you get this, you know, nice, happy banter at the beginning of every episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then right you know what happens? <laughs> <laughs> Hello what? and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. Um, this is episode 29, not 28, like it says in my notes, because I forgot to change this part. And we'll be yep. talking about sugarcane and democracy, I believe. Yes. Heavy, yes, heavy hitters. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it. I'm, I'm Melissa. I'm Amy. And I'm Kate. That's us. <laughs> That's us. Yep, now same us every week. <laughs> Unfortunately, no matter how hard we try, <laughs> um, now that we've introduced ourselves every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. Mm-hmm. One Kate, question. One, one question. One mm-hmm. one part question. <laughs> one part, one question. Yes. Um, okay, so this week's question might take you a second to think about, but um, what is the furthest that you... So this is kind of the opposite of all of the stay-at-home questions that we've been asking. Um, what is the furthest out of your way that you have willingly gone to get either an ingredient or to go mm. to, um, you know, a restaurant or, you know, to, to get something to eat? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. That is a good question. That's why this is Kate's job. Because <laughs> she always has <laughs> good true. questions. Because she's great at chatting people up. Chatting mm-hmm. it up. Chatting yeah. it up. Yeah. She is the Terry great... Gross of drunk dish. <laughs> oh, that's the, that might be the best compliment that anybody's given me. <laughs> In a really oh that's so yeah. sweet yeah kate would be a good like interviewer except without invading personal boundaries like terry gross sometimes does oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean but i yeah 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 well we had a lot of background noise there i don't know what that was that was me oh my God. shifting in my seat while chewing my food okay. and crumpling a napkin i'm sorry okay, i'm hungry cool. y'all um remember you guys have mute buttons just fyi i'm just saying <laughs> You don't have to use them, but you know, in case you like feel like it or whatever, yep. it's it's cool, whatever. You're um, Hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I don't think I've gone that like far out of my way for anything. I mean, like last summer, maybe. Um, we went to Massachusetts to go to like different liquor stores to see if we could find stuff that wasn't available like up here because up here we just have the state liquor store Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like if it's not at the big state liquor store chances are it's not at any of the other liquor stores either um so we went to to some places in mass to like go to like smaller liquor stores to find stuff so i mean that's not that far it's like 40 minutes (laughs) yeah but i mean that's that's that counts that's a definitely and you know that was a specific trip for a specific reason yeah, and then there there's a juice bar in um, Derry 
Oh my mm-hmm. god, is it called the juice bar? Oh, I want to be what able to name to say that that's what it is. Yeah, dairy. So it's the juice bar, um, and it's not that far away from me. Sorry, my cat was like had to be let in right this second. Um, it's not that far from me, but it is like really out of the way if I'm going from my house to work. Yes, yes. But it's so good and they're so it's such a cute little shop. Like it's just a little independent place and it's really cute. Like it's every like Instagram influencers like dream this <laughs> shop. It's so cute. They've got like succulents everywhere and like all of the seating is like reclaimed stuff, whatever. It's really cute. Um, but in order to get to it, I have to get off the highway and then take like 80 million back roads. And then there's no easy way to get back on the highway. So I have to take a bunch more back roads to get to work right and get back on the highway like right before I get to work so it's like pretty far out of my way and I've done that a couple times Uh, and that requires me getting up earlier so I'm not late for work so I feel like I was gonna say that's because it yeah those those 28 there is a is not fun when it's yeah yeah so yeah juice bar in Derry New Hampshire I think is probably the most I've like driven out of my way for okay I like it yeah yeah nice you're you have a very healthy answer well my first <laughs> one was booze so right yeah but that's very on brand so oh we drove out of the way to go for, get donuts oh yeah so there's that too i don't know I where i always was. drive out of the way to get donuts was that cambridge um I don't or right know. outside it was I outside don't... of boston yeah i don't think it was cambridge union was square another... i don't know because it's union square donuts i'm a bad New Englander. No, that's I fine. Don't, we, we went I don't there, remember so that... where any of the neighborhoods in Boston or around Boston are. That's fine. But yeah. Sorry. What was what's yours? Um, it's actually in Boston. Well, it's not in Boston. It's in Cambridge. Um <laughs> and it, it it involves pizza. Of oh my all god, things. it's the place we didn't go. Oh no, yeah. Yes. You, we, yes. we had this conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pinocchio's in yeah. uh, Cambridge, right in Harvard Square. It's they have such good Sicilian pizza. Um, I've talked about it probably like four times in several episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they should be paying us. Every time. Yeah. yeah. They should be paying us in pizza. Um, <laughs> pizza you know, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. I'll give you my address. You can send pizza. We're going to be, we're going to tag Union Square Donuts. We're going to tag the juice bar in mm-hmm. dairy and we're going to tag Pinocchio's pizza. And hopefully one of you will give us free stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to drive here. Oh, yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. But yeah, I, I mean, it's in, I used to work in Harvard Square. So it used to be like a, you know, weekly staple for me. And then I stopped working in Harvard Square. And um, I lived down in Weymouth, which is on the South Shore. Um, and I would drive, which during rush hour traffic mm. takes a remarkably long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would drive. Even after I stopped working in Harvard Square, sometimes I would drive in to Harvard Square just to get uh, pizza from there. And that, like, during rush hour traffic, it it could be, like, three hours. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> which, like, during non-rush hour traffic, it's, like, 40 minutes. So, yay, Massachusetts. Well, mm-hmm. and you got to deal with so many people out and about and all these freaking cars. No, thank mm-hmm. you. And no parking. <laughs> No stressful just thinking about it. And weird house parties put on by Harvard students. Oh, Ew. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Sidebar. We can't have too many of these because we're trying to keep these episodes shorter, but, and this has nothing to do with food, but did you see Harvard's recommendation for students that were going to be learning remotely in their new, like online hybrid environment, what they told students to do? No. No. Um, So if their at home situation isn't um, super conducive to like quiet study time and listening to lectures, they recommended renting an office space. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be to be fair, a rent an uh, renting an office space is probably way less expensive than room and board at Harvard. But but they're still they still paid for Harvard. Yeah. So right. they're pay- so they can't use what they paid for. Plus, Harvard's like, oh yeah, you know, just spend some more money and rent an office space. Oh my fucking god! I also I I, I also saw in that thread, um, someone had said oh, it was the same person that posted it. She said, oh yeah, and also they're not refunding anybody for their gym memberships for Harvard because they're offering online Zoom like Zoom like Pilates mm-hmm. classes. That's dumb as shit. Yeah, Thanks, I know Harvard. One, one person. Uh, who studied at Tulane University. Um, she's, she was getting his, her Juris Doctorate at Tulane, um, which is like a law degree, right when Katrina hit. Oh, and yeah. and uh, so like they understandably suspended the, the campus and they had to, all the students that went to Tulane or area universities had to apply to different places all across the country. And Tulane's like a nice school. So a lot of those students applied to Ivy League or similar s- schools. Um, and s- this person I know applied to Harvard. And the um, during the interview for the admissions, the woman sat her down and was like, so you're from Tulane. What's your sob story? <gasps> nice. Wow. Nice. So, wow. Like, yeah, everything I've heard – from people who've High class. interacted with it. Yeah. It's just been like. Yikes. Yeah. They, the people there seem really not in tune with reality for yeah. 90% of the world. Yeah. So cool. maybe maybe 99% of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so people get going to Harvard. Yeah. Stop giving them your money. Yeah. <laughs> they have so much. So much. Said they're worth like someone posted a thing that was like a news article that was like they're worth forty point nine billion or something. Oh, Jesus <sighs> Christ. But anyways, that's my sidebar. Sidebar are over. We need to we need to move on. Are you like moving it. on? Like are you it. done talking about Pinocchios or do you still want to talk more about Pinocchio? That was it. That was you you know the rest. I've said it. Cool. <laughs> hey. All right. I like Melissa, I also have two. One is really uh good and one is really embarrassing. So um the there's this i guess there it's a little chain of diners sort of in the virginia area like washington dc area they're called the silver diner and they have this melissa i think i've told you about it before and i've tried to make it they have this like crispy brussels sprouts um thing that's like this sweet and spicy and bacony crispy thing and it's it's like you dream about it and um i used to work and travel a lot for work and so i would uh if i was going to be in that area i would per- purposefully uh make sure that i was you know timing it right so that i could stop by that place and it could have been you know 45 minutes it could have been an extra hour and a half out mm-hmm. of the way 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't down there very often. Uh, my husband's family also lives right near where one of those is. So when we stay there, when we go visit his family, I specifically book a hotel <laughs> close to this diner. Oh my God. So that that's dedication. Can... Oh yeah. No, it's, it's that's I'm amazing. Sure that, I'm sure that there are other places that make equally as delicious a Brussels sprouts thing, but this is just killer. So, so good. Yeah. Um, so, and then the embarrassing one is I love Hooters. <laughs> I, yeah, we've and we, talked about this. Yes. I do not get it. I know, I know. And we don't have one in New Hampshire. And um, I didn't know, I didn't like it or know of it when we did have them in New Hampshire. So I could mm -hmm. never, you know, so I, I never frequented really? them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You never yeah. went to the one that was, wasn't there one in Manchester? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, right, like three minutes away from the yeah, house. Yeah, over, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, I think we, I think I maybe was, went there once, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing then. Um, it is. And so again, when I would, uh, be on the road a lot, uh, I had scoped out where all of the Hooters is were on like the rides <laughs> between my stores and stuff. <laughs> so I would, I, I could know, um, where? Oh my god, she's got like an old map. school. Yeah, she's got a paper map in her <laughs> car in her glove box with all yeah. the Hooters in America yeah. marked out on yeah. it. Yeah, with uh, little boob emojis. I was just yeah. gonna say you would love to know what the little doodle was for each of the stuff. That's amazing. Yep. So those are those are mine. Oh <laughs> so Melissa, what are we doing? It's specifically the chicken wings, right? Did you say yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The it's the chicken yeah. wings. I've yeah, heard that. Like yeah, we I've heard it from other people, but I don't get it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't like chicken wings to begin with, but okay. I I've heard that from multiple people. Well, my I don't like to be reminded. Strips are just as delicious, but I think oh. he might have ulterior motives for liking that place. Mm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he, he strikes me as liking women in slightly better attire. No, it's true. It's true. The way I, they dress those poor girls. I the know. women. Sorry, Oof. those poor women. Oof, those. It's it's really the tights. It's really like the and the like white like mm. athletic sneakers mm -hmm. yeah that ugh. anyways <laughs> like if you're gonna objectify them at least let them wear something fun yeah right right anyways <laughs> so melissa what are we drinking tonight i am already halfway through my mojito oh nice uh -huh. um i picked it because of rum because i was gonna talk a bunch about rum because of rum. Uh, because rum's made from sugarcane and we're talking mm -hmm. about sugarcane. So I thought, oh, that's great. And then I realized, oh, my God, there's like a million hours of stuff I could say about rum. Uh, and then I actually looked into a mojito and there was some fun history. Oh, fun. Hmm, might not be the right word. But <laughs> anyways. So, Horrible. I mean, I, I assume both of you have had mojitos before. Oh, yes. I mean, it's like a classic. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a classic mojito is just white rum. Preferably Caribbean rum, although I used uh, rum from Flag Hill Distillery in New Hampshire. Um, so it's actually New Hampshire made rum. But oh, cool. um, traditionally, it's a Caribbean kind of cocktail. So you use Caribbean rum, um, mint leaves, fresh lime juice, simple syrup, and then club soda to top. So it's nice and simple. You just kind of muddle, you know, the mint and everything in there. Give it a shake with some ice and then just dump it in a glass and top it with club soda. Um 
delicious, easy, already almost done mine. Definitely have another shaker in the fridge waiting for me. Because <laughs> it good. And turns out is one of the oldest cocktails. And it's definitely the oldest oh. cocktail to technically come from the Americas. Um, so it was invented. We know that it was invented in Cuba um, by African slaves working in the Cuban sugarcane fields. Um, we don't know exactly like when or exactly who, but we know that it's um, sometime in the late like 1400s, okay. uh, early 1500s, which is like insane for a yeah. cocktail. Obviously, what they made was um, it was a drink that was made from Aguadente de Cana, which is uh, literally means fire water of the sugar cane. Uh, <laughs> and it's a type of sugar cane alcohol similar to rum. Um, oh. But definitely had definitely had that in it. Definitely had sugar in it, and um, definitely had lime juice. Lime juice is like super important. Okay. So you have these af um, African slaves working in these sugarcane fields, discovering that they can ferment this sugarcane juice, and then utilizing that to make this cocktail, essentially. Um, and of course, just like every cocktail that was invented a long time ago, it was thought to have like medicinal purposes. Um, which it kind of ended up did having because in the 1500s, Sir Francis Drake um, landed in Havana. He was essentially there to just like steal everything, you know, be a real piece of shit. Yep. Um, so I mean, wasn't that what all white people were doing at that time? I mean, isn't that what all white people are doing now? Yay, Ooh, imperialism. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the invasion, the, the invasion of Havana was largely unsuccessful. Um which is great. Yeah. But um, in the midst of this, Drake's crew were all pretty much suffering from dysentery and scurvy. Um, and they had heard about these local South, Amer South American Indians um, that had like remedies for many of these diseases. Um, and this, I mean, the, the, the South American Indians, they say Indians, which I... I don't know the that. indigenous Every population. Yeah. Everything I read said Indians. And I'm like, shouldn't we not be calling them that? Yeah, that's, like, should I, that be updated? So I didn't know if there was a reason specifically why everything I read said South American Indians. Uh, but I feel like it was written by someone white. Right. The indigenous <laughs> population. And it yeah. seems that they are kind of in this time are just kind of mixed in with the African slaves. Mm -hmm. So basically, they both get credit for making this. Because we okay. don't really know, like it says that the the natives made the the medicine, whereas it says the um, African slaves came up with the um, fermented sugar cane and made the cocktail. So mm. I don't know, but anyways, so they go out to search. He sends a small party um, ashore in Cuba to come back, and, like talk to the natives and come back with ingredients for the medicine. Um, and what it was, was it was that Aguadente de Cana that I talked about before, which was that like fermented sugarcane juice, mint leaves, um, juices from sugarcane and then limes put together in a tonic um, that turned out to be super effective, obviously because it was super packed with lime juice. So yeah. they're all like dying of dysentery and scurvy and they start drinking this. And of course it works because they literally just needed like vitamin C. Citrus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously the mint and the citrus probably made it a lot more palatable too, because mm -hmm. I can't imagine that the um, Aguadente de Cana that they were making at the time that was essentially rum was probably pretty harsh. Yeah. I can't imagine like it was, you know, super filtered out and distilled. Like obviously we look at white rum today. Um, 
So they come back and that helps, which is great. Um, and then at some point, a cocktail named El Drake um, used very similar ingredients and was super popular in Cuba and supposedly named after Drake himself. But I kind of call bullshit on this because, like, why would they name a drink after someone that tried to, like, invade them and steal all their shit? Yeah. I'm not a historian, though, so I don't know. Um, so we... we That is how we preface every episode. We're not historians. Yeah, right. We're not experts. <laughs> no. Amy's the biggest historian out of all of us. She has the most education. Mm. I'm not saying you are a historian, but, like, you're smarter than me, at the very least. <laughs> yes. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you do most of the work and the research for this show. That's true. <laughs> you get the bulk of it. I can't do that much research. Anyways... Um, so we don't actually know where the word mojito comes from. They think it might be a mashup of their, um, oh, now I can't remember. There's like a Spanish word that is similar. That means the little wet, Mm. uh, and then mojo means something as well. Um, but the first place that they see it is when, um, Bacardi, um, becomes a company in the 1800s and they have a cocktail using their white rum that's called the mojito. Okay. Very so, cool. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. What are you ladies drinking? I'm drinking the same thing I've been drinking the last right. three episodes, which That's is right, White Claw. Claw. <laughs> what flavor? Uh, lime tonight, because I thought oh. that would that would go nicely with our topic and with rum. I would love to make a mojito with lime White Claw. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Double it I up. I thought it would be really good. Yeah, probably. Probably would be really good. Kate, what are you what drinking, are you, Kate? Yeah. So I rum is the only thing that I have uh, <laughs> here. So I have I I was going to make a mojito because I do love them, um, and the grocery store was out of mint. So I was like, hmm, that's Bummer. no that's no good. So I made some jalapeno simple syrup this afternoon. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and I had a, a boatload of limes. So I've got. Um, lime seltzer and some Bacardi and some jalapeno simple syrup and a boatload of lime juice. And that it's sounds delicious. It yeah, is so good. good. You <laughs> invented a drink, Kate. That is a great invented drink. Mm-hmm. Well, it's delicious. Like, you gotta name it. so good. Yeah, you gotta name it and send me the recipe and okay. I will take pictures. I'll make it and take pictures of it and then we could be like, look what Kate made. All yeah. right. Because <laughs> that is an amazing sounding drink. Like, I wish I was drinking it right now. Yeah. And my mojito yeah. is damn good, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. So. My way it calls, eh. <laughs> did you go to get mint, Kate? Did you go to get mint today? Uh, yeah. It was on my list. And oh they were my out. God. That's hilarious. Greg and I did a pickup today and yeah. I had mint and I got mint. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. You got the last one. Oh. So, and we go to the same place. Yes. So, when yeah. did you go? No, mine was before yours, so maybe they got maybe they got some in, because um, mine was at ten, and you guys picked it up later. So yeah, but, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, you. I forgot you saw Greg today, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. I yeah. forgot. <laughs> we're all moving to New Zealand, everybody. Uh, New Zealand, that's the place. <laughs> that's where that's we're happened. going. Yep. Amy, pack your bags. Wait, what? Moving. <laughs> <laughs> They talked. So they were joking about how the our country is a trash fire right now, and that we should all oh. move to New Zealand because New Zealand seems to have their shit together. But they're so, stuck in like 1977, aren't they? Like, I mean, like they have a they have a woman prime minister. They got COVID under control, like that. 
Yeah. They just seem, it seems like all of the cars and clothing, this is like a really vain and shallow yeah, reason. Yeah, I'm not like, that sounds much. great. <laughs> yeah. I thought you I meant mean, like politically. I No, not politically. They seem, they seem awesome. Just like everything else seems like it's stuck <laughs> in time. I mean, we're going to, we're going That's to. That's not true. Raise the, some uh, sheep. And yeah, I'm gonna learn to I'm gonna learn to make yarn. And... I mean, New Zealand is beautiful from what yeah. I've seen. The great Kiwi Bake Off is the best one, and they do not dress like they're from the 70s. Oh, I'll have to watch that one. Okay. Oh, guys, sidebar, sidebar. Quick. Oh my God, um, what? Okay, I watched the Flower Show. Mm. Oh, isn't it good? It's so good. I it's the it's probably the first thing that I've ever like did you watched. Oh my God, this, we can't spend too much time on no, this because we're no. trying to make this shorter, but <laughs> yeah. did you just hate that like influencer couple from New York? Oh, the like really, really like ridiculously pretty lady. The, like we're not boyfriend and girlfriend, but he wants to be my boyfriend real bad, but I'll never well, be her. And like, girl- yeah, she's yeah. always been something. So she's like, I know this because I used to be Buddhist or I know this because I used yeah. to blah, blah, blah. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. time they spoke, yeah. my was... eyeballs just rolled right into the back of my head. And then, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I just I just pick up a trash can and I put it on my head and then I <laughs> invented something. Yeah. She. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, I didn't like them. And I will uh, be honest, I didn't love the, the, the people who ended up winning. I didn't love them at the very beginning, but oh, I no, thought, but obviously fell you. in love with, yeah. I haven't yeah, seen all, this... everything yet. Don't spoil Oh, it. oh, okay. 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 Well, they're all couples. So right, yeah. right. <laughs> every crew is two people. Yeah. 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 I know but that anyway, part. Yeah. That's good. Everybody watch it. Yeah. It's so it's good. Funny. All right, Amy, what are we talking about? genocide oh my god <laughs> hold on oh that should not be a word that makes me laugh no, no no it's horrible um i think i told told melissa this i don't think i've ever said this to kate but it used to be for the really longest time because i have a horrible memory and i'm dyslexic so passwords are like maybe you shouldn't tell people <laughs> impossible to remember so i usually make my password for stuff either a swear word or like a really memorable horrible word like a like something that elicits strong feelings. For the longest time, my Wi-Fi <laughs> password had genocide in it because I couldn't remember it otherwise. Oh. Name in a movie or something. That's what we do. That wouldn't. That wouldn't. That it would just evaporate from my head. It's seriously. Not as if you as... named it like the African Queen or something, you wouldn't remember that. No, I would I be like, which that. Humphrey Bogart movie was it? The <laughs> <laughs> Key West. Is it Casablanca? I, mean, I feel uh, like yeah. you would have remembered. Mm, I don't know, but anyways, we're gonna we're gonna talk about pretty much the same time period you talked about, Melissa, which is uh, starting in 1492. I do I do have some pictures in the drive, so I don't know yeah. if I'll you want to. I'll pull them up. Okay, cool. Um, so we're gonna be talking about the very first true democracy in the world, which is not America, but Haiti. So I'm excited to talk about this. Um, so in 1492, obviously, we know Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue and all that bullshit. And he looks out from his boat and he sees land and he gets real excited. And he calls the land that he sees La Isle. I can't say this. La Isla Española or the Spanish island, which is like already you haven't even set foot on it. And you're appropriating that. I mean, so that's what people do. True. Especially white people. Okay. Um, Sidebar. Yeah. 
So, that didn't take long. <laughs> no, I know. So I didn't do rum, right? So I have all these pictures in the drive for rum history, but then I ended up not doing that. But I did find this rum that seems really super offensive. Mm. Oh, no. It's called deadhead rum. That's mm. horrible. It's a little shrunken head, guys. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like that's not okay. I mean, <laughs> I think it's okay depending on who is profiting off of it. All right, you keep talking. I'm going to look up who who the purveyors of Deadhead yeah, Rum like are. Like if it's like some like white like I don't know, dude with a beard. He wears plaid all the time. Like some white hipster. God, all like, right. This you would be can, great. You continue. I look. Okay. So, Christopher Columbus spots this island. He names it the Spanish island. Later, it gets called Hispaniola. And Hispaniola essentially is one island that becomes Haiti in the Dominican Republic later in time. Um, So, just two months after Christopher Columbus spots this island, the Spanish decide to enslave all the indigenous people. Uh, So, it did not take them long at Mm. all. They got right to work. Um, The people that were living there, there are two different people one is the Siboni people and the other is the Taino people and mm-hmm. um, both spoke this language called Aro- Arawakan and if I am mispronouncing anything which I probably am please let me know if anybody knows who's listening um, but anyways the the Taino people they inhabited uh, Cuba Jamaica Haiti and the Dominican Republic Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands too and it was the biggest population of indigenous people in the Caribbean um, there is one to two million of the Tano people when Columbus, mm. quote unquote, discovered oh my God. Hispaniola. Um, the Saboni people, they were kind of like fighting with the Tainos. Um, they didn't always get along. They had actually been driven into more isolated parts of the island, um, both uh, Hispaniola, which is Haiti and Dominican Republic, and Cuba. Um, they spoke the same language, but their name literally meant cave dwellers. So they w- resided more inland. Um, where the Taino resided more like on the the shores of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, only like a hundred years after Columbus makes landfall, both of these populations are pretty much completely wiped out. Um, so yay. Mm. Uh, originally, yeah, originally the, the Spanish were like interested in gold. So that's why they, um, you know, Columbus sailed to find like shorter trade routes. Um, but when they got there, they found that there's actually gold on the island. So Spain immediately set up colonies in the island and forced mm. all the indigenous people to mine for gold. Um, and Spain, as we know, brought with them disease, brutal working conditions. And then, like I said, within like 100 to 150 years, both indigenous tribes are just completely wiped out. So Spain's like, oh, we have like all this gold we need to mine and we have murdered all of these people. We've committed genocide. What should we do? Let's not stop this bullshittery. Let's just import slaves. So they started oh. bringing in slaves from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Africa. Um, so the, within 200 years of Columbus landing on the island, all of the gold has been stripped um, from these islands. All the gold has been mined out. And Spain starts to kind of like lose interest in the island. And the French enter in. So this one island, like I said, Hispaniola, becomes Dominican Republic and Haiti. So the Dominican Republic is, remains kind of under Spain's supervision um, and control, and Haiti becomes under France's supervision and control. So France moves in in the mid-1600s, and they set up ports and permanent settlements, and they're really interested in the island because of sugar. 
So mm. sugar at this time is like super hard to produce. It was a luxury item. It was a cash crop that was way more profitable than cotton. Um, it at the time, you know, it could only be um, harvested in certain climates, and Haiti had a perfect climate for this. So when France moves in, so does the French West Indies Corporation. And we talked a little bit about um, when we talked about Nutmeg Island in that episode oh, about yeah. like how there's different West Indies companies um, for like each specific country and how they just like pretty much fuck shit up. So what happened to Nutmeg Island happens in Hispaniola as well, too. So the whole entire island essentially becomes this giant plantation. Um, with the indigenous population pretty much wiped out and all of these African slaves being imported in, by the end of the uh, 1600s, the early 1700s, there are uh, 500,000 African slaves in Haiti. So there's a total population on Haiti of 556,000 people. 500,000 of those people are African slaves. Mm. Um 24,000 are what's called the Afranchis, which is uh, they're people of mixed descent. So they're people who ha maybe have some indigenous heritage, have some African heritage, and have some white European heritage as well. Um, so they're freed people, but they are not white people, and they're not treated like white people. They're treated like second-class citizens, but they're mm -hmm. a step above the slaves at this time. So only like twenty-five to 30,000 people on the island of Haiti out of the 556,000 are white Europeans. So they're grossly outnumbered, but they have all of the power and the wealth, and they own all of the land. So there's like this like growing animosity between um, different races, classes, and gender on the island. So skin color is really, really important. Um, so like I said, there are these this small population, 24,000 or so of people that are of um, mixed heritage. And they were free. And some of them could even own slaves. But they weren't full French citizens. They didn't have any real political authority or agency over themselves. Um, and they had a darker skin color than the white European landowners who were there. And there's this like really big Eurocentric vision of like grandeur. So white Europeans ruled this island and they controlled everything and dictated things like what the fashions of the time were, like what the political environment was um, and who had access to different things. So um, because of the Eurocentric um, nature of the political system at the time, the Afranchis aspired to be like the white Europeans at first. So they wanted to be able to own land and they wanted to be able to socially How climb and build. How dare they? I know. The gall. Um, and at first they did that like through the same means as like the white Europeans, right? So they're like, okay, like the white Europeans are owning slaves. Like if I can, um, you know, get a small plot of land and have slaves, then maybe I can have more agency and grow more power. And pretty quickly, everybody realizes that this is like not going to work. Um, so slavery in Haiti at the time was brutal. And like the sugar plantations at the time were a more brutal working environment than what we think of like the deep south with cotton plantations. It was much longer hours, more backbreaking labor. Um, and there, at this time, there's like a mixture of slave roles too. So there's housework and field work. So, you know, the, the, there's like different social hierarchy um, and class even within the slave population of, you know, what white people are allowing them to do. 
but all slaves, regardless of what position they're in, they have these really long hours and there was a lack of medical care. Um, death by starvation was pretty common or malnutrition was pretty common. There are tropical diseases, um, infection or injury. And essentially, if a slave got injured or got sick, um, there was no moral imperative or even financial imperative for the white slave owner to do anything about it. They're just like write it off and be like, oh, like my property is gone. Um, so it's like a really horrible, horrible cold view. I, the whole system. How is it? How is it that white people care even more about property, like inanimate property, than actual humans that were their property? <laughs> like I, I feel like if you went in and destroyed that any of that dude's stuff, like those those mm-hmm. slave owners' stuff, they'd be freaking pissed. They'd yeah. be calling in the military to like kill whoever did it. But you know, oh whatever, you know. Eh. Yeah, I think I think part of it, like, so you have this huge importation of African slaves, but then you also, like, the really horrific, well, there's so many horrific things about the slave trade, but one of the really horrific things about the slave trade is that, like, the white owners would then breed these, like, poor black people, like, to make more slaves. So it felt like a, like an endless supply, like the whole system, every, every aspect of the system, even like a quote unquote good slave owner is like still horrible (laughs) like there's like everything is horrible and inhumane yeah Um, i'm sorry you can't you can't like own people and yeah claim a a good person card yeah like even when people are like oh it's accepted in the time there were plenty of people Mm. that didn't think owning other people was okay so don't give me that bullshit yep not okay not okay (laughs) under any circumstance regardless of the time or era in which it took place um luckily some slaves were able to escape so there was kind of like not like a full-fledged underground railroad like what we hear about in the history books in the united states where there's like this really like tight network of uh former slaves helping to free um slaves and get them to safety you know haiti is an island um that it shares its geographical landscape with the dominican republic too so it, it was a very finite amount of real estate and land that people could escape to so there wasn't like a North or a Canada, like a, you know, like a light at the end of the tunnel. So like when a slave would escape, they would escape to the mountains, like the interior of the island, and they would just hide out there. And then some of them actually were able to form guerrilla mili- uh, militia. So like what um, American colonists did to the British um, with, you know, hiding in the forest and mm. or hiding in the mountains and using the geography and the landscape to our advantage to do these like sneak attacks. Like that's what these escaped slaves were able to do. You know, these um, black Haitians were able to hide out in, in the mountainous regions. And then when there was a group of white French soldiers moving through the area to move supplies or whatever, they'd be able to like kind of sneak in and attack and take stuff um, mm. or kill them and you know inch inch by inch you know take a little bit more agency back and a little bit more of their island back so um these people who escaped and were able to live in the mountains and and exercise these guerrilla guerrilla attacks they were called maroons um and by the time the 1790s roll around the french revolution is brewing so you may remember we talked about how napoleon bonaparte was a giant baby mm-hmm. um <laughs> So as he's like fucking shit over in in Europe and France, 
Um, things are happening in Haiti too. So there's a series of conflicts that arises as Haiti um, or arise in Haiti as a direct result of the unrest among the uh, Frenchies. The, so like the freed people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so the French revolution leads to things uh, among the French colonies. Like there is an increase in nationalistic rhetoric, um, but there's also in response to that this increase in resurgence of reclaiming of cultural heritage within the slave uh, population and within the black community. So you see um, black Haitians starting to more openly practice things like voodoo. Um, and there starts to be all these rules and laws enacted. So like with each little bit of agency that the black Haitians are trying to gain, you see the white French colonists trying to um, take that power away. And then uh, the slave owners really start to begin revolution and rebellion. So they respond by obviously just getting more cruel to slaves Mm -hmm. um so working them harder um taking care of them even less and at the same time europe is at constant war with france so the financial instability of france overall starts to trickle down and affect all the colonies so this is the time when you know napoleon's starting to consider selling the louisiana purchase to the united states um, and all of these other European nations see this weakness, just like we talked about in the canning episodes, right? So they're trying to kind of intercede and take control too. So we see Spanish colonists create a faction, um, and that's and they later take full control of the eastern side of the island, informing the Dominican Republic. But that foothold really starts to grow during this time, the late 1790s, and then British troops start to come in from Jamaica too, and. Um, you have all of these uh, Frenchies who are petitioning for reform at the same time. So there's some hope, right, that if the slave owners just maybe concede in a few areas <laughs> and, like, act, like, rationally and just, like, answer the, the calls for reform, that maybe there won't be, like, a full-out revolution or rebellion. So there's this one uh, Frenchies whose name is uh, Vincent Ogue, and he signs a petition or creates a petition for reform and he um, puts out all these calls. He, he writes all these letters. Um, he gains support and he's a really popular charismatic figure and his calls for reform all go unanswered. The slave owners on Haiti are like, no, no, we're not doing it. This is not a problem. It's fine. And it leads to an uprising in late 1790s. Um, Vincent ends up getting captured, tor- tortured and executed. But this is just like the start. He becomes almost like a martyr to the movement. So just a year later, the French revolutionary government, um, so remember, the France is undergoing a revolution, Napoleon Bonaparte is rising to fame um, and prominence during this time. Thank you for putting the, the uh, photos, too, so uh, Kate can see. Um, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what this picture is supposed to be depicting exactly. Yeah, but- it's... It's the, the rebellion. The white people? Like, who made this picture? Because <laughs> the white people does... look like they are all spawn of Satan. They yeah. have, like, red around their lips. Like, it's amazing. Like, they look like demons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's got, like, a mustache, so he mostly just looks like, like a really poorly computer-generated alcoholic man. But, like, <laughs> they look terrifying. Yeah. Like... I mean, and I love that, that the, that they're being kind of portrayed, that, but that's why I question the painter, like what the, because they look, they look like monsters, yeah, which I would yeah. not expect for the time. Yeah. I don't know when this painting know. was done or. That or would have been helpful like information. I have, 
I have like a list of like all the the resources, so yeah. it's in one of those. So I'll find. I'll Did find you want me to bring anything channel. else up? Um, I don't think I'm gonna have pictures very shortly. Okay. So that was like the only this, picture so far. I would have showed this if we talked about rum, which is the triangle trade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, so after, um, Vincent, there's another guy, um, which I need to find his name. Well, there's Toussaint, Toussaint. No, not him. Not yet. Jean-Jacques. Hold on. I skipped ahead a little bit. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. We don't have to pull something up. I just was asking if we needed to. Yeah. I can just so, pull this up again. This atrocity. It's, it's a horrible picture. Uh, I hate so, that so much. Yeah, it's it's disturbing. <laughs> um, so within a year, like I said, the French Revolutionary government takes control, and they're like, okay, we have to appease the people of color. Um, they probably didn't say it in those terms, but like, we're gonna grant French citizenship to the wealthy. Uh, Franchis. So the freed people of color on Haiti who are of, of mixed heritage, like so they have a little bit of white DNA and they have money. Those are the guys that we're going to be like, okay, you're actually French. Like, because like your granddaddy raped someone. Mm. We're going to say that you're French. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of this is horrible. All of the history is horrible. Horrible. Um, yep. But most of the white Europeans who are on the island, like, don't give a fuck, like, about this new rule, this new law. They don't acknowledge the French citizenship of these, even this very small, select few group of people of color. So more fights and riots continue to break out between the white Europeans and the Frenchies. And by August of 1791, thousands of slaves rise in rebellion. And they, yeah, and you know what they do? They don't peacefully... March because they, they cut people's arms off. <laughs> they like burned down my favorite abolitionist. Yeah, they burned down all the plantations that are the most Sick. profitable. Yes, Love yes. To see it. Like, fuck it, we're gonna like destroy the machine that has enslaved us. So they burn plantations to the ground, and then by April 1792, the French government is like, okay, okay, we really gotta do something to respond. We're gonna grant citizenship to all the Frenchies. Not just the wealthy. Mm. So it's still like you aren't freeing the slaves. You aren't mm. addressing like the horrible conditions in which you have put these people in. You're just like saying, okay, the people who are already free, that even if they don't have money, if they're a product of essentially rape, yeah, that we will allow them to call themselves French. Yeah, I That's think all they're, they're saying. Yeah, they're trying to give as little as possible and hoping right. that that will quell any sort of mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they're trying rebellion. to find out where the tipping point is. Yeah, like, at what, what point? What's, yeah. What's yep. the least amount we yep. can get away with? Yep. Sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. politics. Yeah. So um, they think that they can, like, calm down the quote-unquote, like, nicer people of color on the island yeah i know um then then they can calm down all of the rebelling slaves because they're like oh this like small group of people they must be controlling because like this the like the slaves like they can't think for themselves they can't they don't have any real agency they aren't human beings i mean that's it's just like with with indigenous peoples they're savages they can't think for themselves motherfucker they've been living on this land 
for thousands of years. You don't right. do that by being stupid. Yep. Oh my God. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so finally in 1793, France is like, okay, like we're like been fucking around. We need to really do something. So they send a commissioner to the island. Uh, his name, I am going to fucking butcher because it is a mouthful and it is French, uh, but it's Leisure Felicity Santhonax. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They send him over to maintain order and he's like, okay, I have the creme de la creme. Any slave who wants to come fight for Napoleon's army will be freed. Because they need bodies. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, they need certain wars with everybody. Yeah, they need farter to throw out there. They need something for their uh, quote unquote. They need to farter. (laughs) Farter. (laughs) 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 They need as many people to shoot at as possible. Okay, fodder, 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 fodder. You know, like mutta. My mother and my father. Oh my <laughs> Guys, I'm on my second mojito. No, it's, um, bad. it's all good. It's fine. I'm, I'm on my pretty, third white claw. I'm pretty tipsy. Yeah. Mm. All right. So say this guy's name again. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Leisure, Felicity, Sonthorx. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, yeah. uh, yeah. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so within a few months of him arriving to the island too and offering this to uh, this offer to the slaves France decides to abolish slavery on the island entirely Whoa. so that doesn't necessarily mean that all the slaves are freed Aww. that means that no new slaves can be imported <laughs> so they're like doing like a nice graduated it's we're gonna reform. try and step back slavery yeah. yeah they're reforming slavery yes yeah, because it's it's an institution worth reforming. Yeah. Um, and the French government decides to do this across all of their colonies, so not just Haiti. Um, enter this dude who I do have a picture of. He should be in the drive. His name uh-huh. is Toussaint Louverture. Nice, like nice accent there. <gasps> yeah, that was good. I that practiced. Good. <laughs> so he long sword. Yeah, he's got a really <laughs> big sword. Uh. He's a military leader. He and also has freed. a very big feather. He does. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's a nice top hat too. All I ex- love his whole look and the sash. All, exten- all extensions of his penis, which yeah. is also huge. <laughs> right. So he was freed through the other, Ooh. the white dude's offer, right? Of like, uh-huh. join Napoleon's army and you will become freed. So he's a former slave. He's freed through this offer. He's trained by the French army. And then he decides to head up the rebel army on Haiti. Yeah. 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 Look at his So calves. he's a young leader. He's, uh, and through his leadership, he's able to recruit 88,000 slaves into the ranks of the rebellion. Sick. Nice. Yeah. Um, so he's able to, um, and he even like uses his, his forces, his rebellion forces, right? Not just to fight back the French, but also to fight back the spanish um and the oh. english too who were as you remember because of france's weakened position in the world because they're right in all these fucking world wars that's everywhere. what happens when you're led by a baby yep exactly no more babies in politics 
Oh, don't I wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he ends up taking over um, this place called Santo Domingo and he compl- com- he declares himself governor general for life. So he gets this like uh. this stronghold. <laughs> yep, I know. It's problematic, right? <laughs> yeah. So he puts peasants to work and he encourages property owners to return to the area in order to instill financial and economic stability to the area. Mm-hmm. So he's saying like okay, like no slaves, but like you have to hire these people um and you know, it's okay, you can come back, it's stable, it's safe now. Now that I'm in control. Um and then, <laughs> Jesus Christ, my notes. I got to stop writing notes at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I wrote 1801, Napoleon is a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's not helpful. Past tense, uh, if we e- If we ever have merch, we're going to have to have Baby Napoleon merch. <laughs> yes. For well, yeah. sure. Oh, boy. So Napoleon's like kind of throwing a temper tantrum, as babies do. And he's like, I want my island back. So he decides <laughs> to like... <laughs> To send in some forces. He says, no, mine, my toy. <laughs> exactly. And he wants to restore the old way of life. So he wants to bring back this, like, horrible system. So he sends his brother-in-law, General Charles Leclerc, and a bunch of officers of color, so black people, to take back control from Louvertour. So he's like, hey, I'm down. I've got black friends. Like, listen to these guys. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just want to retake control of my island. It's mine. Um, Louverture ends up signing an armistice in 1802. So, and the part of the armistice is that there's like, you know, so he's like, okay, like we can be under France's control, but like things need to like stay okay for my people, right? And and I'm gonna be free. I'm not gonna be like executed or anything, right? France is like, nope, they imprison him anyways, and he dies shortly after being imprisoned. So he dies so quickly after being imprisoned that I don't know if the prison conditions were so horrible or if he might have been sick already and didn't know it. But he dies like just two months or after was being murdered, prison. or he right. might have been murdered. Yeah, it's very mysterious. I mean, though, but, although I can imagine that the prisons were pretty awful. Awful. So yeah, yeah. like I I don't see being in a in prison for two months and then dying as super suspicious. That's true. To be fair, <laughs> that's true. Okay, he's dead. Get him out of here. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, Louverture's death ends up being a catalyst for a bunch of others to take up the cause. So he has a bunch of lieutenants at the time of his death, uh, Jean-Jacques Dines and Henry Christophe. And uh, they start stirring shit up with the French again because they're like, you know what? They broke the promise. They said that things were going to get better for us, and they aren't better for us. So France has started restoring restrictions on people of color again. They reestablished slavery in some of their other colonies. So, like, the black people are in Haiti are just, like, counting down. They're like, we're going to be next. Like, this is not good. Their rights are being eroded away day by day. And Napoleon's just fucking shit up um, all over the world. And at the same time, yellow fever starts to wipe through the whole island. Ugh. Yep, and it will, the good thing is that it weakens the French forces. Um, and Napoleon sells off Louisiana territory because he's fucking broke. And then this becomes like a boiling point for Haiti. They're like, Napoleon doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing. He definitely doesn't have our interests at heart. He probably doesn't even have France as a whole interest at heart. So another rebellion occurs. In November of 1803, there's an indigenous army who's led by Dessalines, and they defeat the French. They meet them on the battlefield. 
They've been attacking them through guerrilla warfare. And Dusling's kind of badass. His motto is independence or death. So it's kind of similar to New Hampshire's state motto, which is live free or die. So, you know, I dig him. Um, But France loses their last significant military stronghold on the island in 1803. And the indigenous army is like, you know what, France? We fucking hate you. You got 10 days to get your shit together and get off my island. And (laughs) to the left, to the left, France. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Any Beyonce reference is a good <laughs> reference. Oh boy. And by January of 1804, the island is officially declared independent from France. So it takes a little bit more than those 10 days. The French drag their fucking feet. Oh, um, but news of the slave rebellion spreads really quickly. So at this time, this part of the island is renamed Haiti, and that the name is derived from the original language of the original indigenous people who inhabited there. So the African slaves who had been imported here, which I hate using like kidnapped from their homes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who is this? Look at the, what's the file saved as? I think that's the other guy, the other Lieutenant portrait. uh, I don't know. Portrait something. No, I haven't gotten to him yet. He's next. Oh, Oh my God. What a stud. Okay. Sorry. I got distracted by the handsomeness. Yeah, and his red coat and his red oh hat and his God. feather. The feathers at this time. Face. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Continue. Okay. So the the um, country is renamed Haiti, right, from the original language, the Arawak language, from the original indigenous people. But news of the slave rebellion spreads really quickly, especially to the United States. Yeah. So all the, the southern states try to suppress the news. They're like, oh, don't talk about mm. the slave rebellion. We don't want our slaves getting an idea. Shh, be quiet. It's okay. <laughs> all be okay so outside forces continue to try and take control of haiti at the same time right because they're like oh it's a new fledgling country and the other fucked up thing is that okay they've rebelled they've declared independence they're led by black people they are made up of black people but what happens in a racist eurocentric society or world when you have a country suddenly being run by people of color is that nobody wants to do business with them. Nobody's mm. like giving them a fair shot or taking them seriously either. So mm. all these outside forces try and come in and take control of Haiti as well. So Haiti holds strong against both the Spanish and the British. And Napoleon even comes back again. He's like, no, I this is still my island. I want it. I want it back. <laughs> and so before he abdicates the throne a final time, he's still comes back. He, the Haitians rebuff all attempts. Like, they maintain their independence through all of it. Um, and Haiti becomes the first state founded by former enslaved people who fought for their freedom and political sovereignty. It is the first real democracy because when they pass their constitution and it's signed into law, they grant... They, w- one of the cool things that they do is they're like, all Haitians are black. That's like the first like paragraph and then the second thing is all Haitians have the ability to own land and all Haitians have the ability to vote. Like, it's not like all people are created equal, except if you don't own land or except right. if you're yeah, of yeah, a different yeah. color or all, except if you have a vagina. Like, it's like there's no there's no accepts in the Haitian constitution. Um, and then when the thing that kind of sucks is when the Haitians forced out all of the European slavers, they ran to the United States. Oh no. So they ended up in places like Charleston and New Orleans and they started so much. 
Yes, right. They start. I mean, we were horrible to begin with, and then they made us worse. Um, but they start spreading news of the quote unquote race war that took place in Haiti, and it's like a horror story, right? Like it's right. like like the tales of like the Black Pearl. Like it's white, not white families like, brutally murdered in their sleep, which right. I They're, mean, you know, yeah, could have happened, but you know, they just did. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can uh, make arguments about little little baby children, but you know, right, right. I get it. I, I agree. Get it. Yeah. Um. So this the fear starts spreading all across America to all of the white uh, citizens of the United States this time, and you see actually at this time too, there's other rebellions that like try to take place in the United States. So there's, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Gabriel's Rebellion. We could do, I mean, I can't figure a way to tie it into food other than I was going to say, we got to call it, we got to tie it into food. Yep. I know. But it's so interesting. So he convinces a thousand slaves to create a well-coordinated attack in Richmond, Virginia, but somebody Mm -hmm. fucking snitches. Mm -hmm. Um, Snitches get stitches, bitch. Yeah. So somehow the plan gets leaked and then Gabriel and dozens of others are executed. Strangely enough, none of the white folks he had recruited to help him get executed you know what i here's an observation i've had <laughs> this is that i'm sure that i'm sure no it's directly related to how shitty white people are so mm. i don't think it's a sidebar mm. mm-hmm. um mm. and i'm sure no one has ever had this thought before white people <laughs> are so easy to freak the fuck out like yes. it's so easy to just spin a horror story like the most minute thing like a slave talking at a turn or something and just spread fear throughout yep. the entire population of white people. Like, yeah. how fucking fragile are white people that it takes so little for them to be like, we need to murder a bunch of people. We need to beat a bunch of people. We need to rape a bunch of people because they're going to kill us all. Like, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, like, anytime someone is in power, that's what happens. Like, you look, like, white people obviously... Like men specifically, like you like make any insinuation that like a dude's dick is small or something, and he gets all bent <laughs> out of shape. Yeah, no, they really lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I just think like anytime someone has power, like their biggest fear is being like laughed at or losing that power, right? Yeah. Like losing agency somehow. And anytime someone Welcome doesn't have to the fucking club, I know, right? <laughs> So well, that's the other thing is they've never had to live with any kind of, mm, you know, yeah, they, they've never had to learn any kind of coping mechanisms <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. So they're all babies. Yeah. No, it's my toy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anyways, white people suck. Yes, we're white. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, boy. So um, this is. I put this fucking picture in here. I didn't say who it is. God damn it. Well, this it's guy? a new boyfriend. Is it yeah, Desalines? Just... So what Portrait is it? Death something. I can't see. Yeah, the... it's Desaline. So he's the he was the general who oh, led, the led the Haitians to victory. He's also becomes the president and signs Ooh. the constitution into law. So this Ooh. is like his official like political portrait. So yeah. hot and accomplished. He looks dashing. I mean, um, damn. I know. Look at, look at these. What do you think these can do? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. And, you know, he's His got like an Idris Elba air mm. about him. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway. Mm. God. 
really into this guy. You guys are just gonna have to go to the blog to see. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll uh we'll say I don't know what we'll call this picture, but we'll <laughs> Melissa's new boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, if only he hadn't been yeah. dead for two hundred years. <laughs> well, no, I won't say anything. Um, <laughs> I need to stop. Mm. Oh boy, so. Gabriel's rebellion rate is quelled and Gabriel and dozens of others are executed, but other stuff like this is happening all over the United States because white people are scared, yo. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably like deservedly so. Um, definitely deservedly so. So like during uh this time too, like any ships entering the Louisiana Tory would be searched for quote bad characters, aka revolutionaries. I was gonna uh, say aka black. Yep. <laughs> Black free people, essentially. Um, and then there's a string of incidents all over the U.S. of slaves beginning to take agency over themselves. So, like, you have um, these these black people who, like, you know, were able to learn how to read and write. And they start reading the founding documents of our country. And they're like, wait, like, Tom- <laughs> Thomas Jefferson said... Or George Washington said, or, mm. and they, you know, they start quoting the founding fathers to their By owners. all men. Like, did you really mean all men? Yep. Yeah. So they, like, they start speaking up and gaining agency. And because of this, there's like a slew of laws that get passed that, like, make it illegal to teach slaves how to read and write. Like, people are, oh. like, white people are scared yo right so back in haiti in 1805 on may 20th the constitution gets ratified and desaline like i said he ratifies haiti's first constitution and he um in order to strengthen national unity and this is a a direct quote of course i don't fucking say where i got the quote from i need to stop taking notes at two in the morning (laughs) i'm sorry i'll put all the sources on the blog but i can't I can't remember where this is from. I'll find it. But um, to strengthen national unity and bring together the country's various factions, the Constitution proclaims all Haitians black. The Constitution also legitimizes Desalines' regime, legalizing structures set in place since independence. And the Constitution reaffirms the permanent abolition of slavery, that all Haitians are free and equal, and above all, Haitians' inalienable right to land ownership. So, like, land ownership keeps coming up because of the plantations because of the sugar plantations like that was anyone's way to gain agency and power so Mm -hmm. like i said they burnt all the sugar plantations to the ground during the rebellion but they like they envision this future of like literally like equality is being able to carve out a little piece of the world for yourself and your family and to lay claim to that and to build on that like so land ownership is like very closely related to that we see this in the united states too and that's why like mm-hmm. you know when we have the emancipation proclamation um you know former slaves are promised 40 acres and a mule which we never fucking deliver on but um like land ownership is this really vital piece of any kind of upward financial mobility not just from like a, a property ownership perspective but from like a being able to support yourself being able to grow your own food um perspective so it's it's very deeply entrenched with this idea of food and making enough um and and self-sufficiency and what happens in the united states in response to all this so like i said all of these white slavers from haiti they evacuate they run and hide a lot of them go to louisiana and they find themselves in positions of power and authority in the united states 
And they convince American politicians to pass the Insurrection Act in 1807. And real quick, political sidebar, you may have heard President Trump mention the Insurrection Act recently mm. in relation to in relation to the uh, protests for the murder of George Floyd. The Insurrection Act has racist origins, as do most uh, of the things in our country. I was going to say, as do the police. Yes. Mm. But the Insurrection Act is a direct response to the fear of a repeat of what happened in Haiti. It authorizes the federal forces to suppress insurrection on American soil. So you can take soldiers and turn them against American citizens, which is scary as fuck. Um, I mean, that literally just happened like a week ago. (laughs) I know. And it like all of this bullshit going on in the early 1800s works, right? The slavers who fled to America, they built an even stronger empire here. We were the perfect fertile ground for them to continue their atrocities against humanity. Question. Uh, yes. Trash, obviously. They come to this country. Since we're a food pa- food podcast, I do have to ask, did they happen to bring sugarcane with them and also like then use yes. slaves to make sugarcane? Yep, so they set up sugarcane plantations in Louisiana. If you look at Louisiana today, it has one of the, like, biggest racial disparities in the country. We, the the people in Louisiana, black people who are um, incarcerated for a crime and find themselves in the prison system, are then used as free labor at government buildings, which sounds an awful lot like slavery. It is. Um, There's a really great documentary on Netflix called the 13th about the 13th amendment that goes pretty deep into that and it's pretty fucking depressing but everybody Mm -hmm. should watch it i mean uh white people should watch it i mean black people Mm -hmm. fucking know their history so right (laughs) so within five decades of these white slavers fleeing haiti to louisiana louisiana planters are producing a quarter of the world's cane sugar supply it just takes 50 years and during the antebellum reign um Sugar beats out cotton for the amount of money it's making, these plantation owners. Louisiana becomes the second richest richest state per capita for wealth because of these plantations. And there's this amazing historian, Richard uh, Follett, and he's in a lot of research on this. I will link to some of his books and research on the blog. But he says that the state ranked third in baking and capital behind New York and Massachusetts by 1840. The value of enslaved people alone represented tens of millions of dollars in capital that financed investments, loans, and businesses. Oh, and that, God. I know. It's not fucked up. That yeah. And that last part is a direct quote from this amazing series of articles that the New York Times has put out from the 1619 Project, which is um, where they've uh, invited experts and people of color to write um pieces that reflect on the history of slavery and its lasting impacts on our country so i definitely recommend checking out those pieces they're really enlightening um bookmark right now yep and the enslaved populations soared it quadrupled over a 20-year people a 20-year period so uh 125,000 slaves in the mid 1800s so by 1850 and um, I have a picture on the drive, which I saw Melissa had pulled up earlier, which is of um, a sugar cane factory um, in Louisiana. So it's like a black and white picture. It's almost oh, like the barrels of the barrels. Kate, did you uh, see those? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Yep. Um, so all of this wealth 
is built off of this perpetuation of human suffering, um, which people brought, white people brought from Haiti to Louisiana. After we abolish slavery in the United States, we continue to abuse people of color in the name of sugar. So by the 20th century, um, America sees Haiti and they see, again, because they are a free democracy, they burnt their sugar plantations to the ground. So it takes a lot of time to rebuild those and rebuild mm. those crops. And nobody wants to play ball with them because they're led by freed black people in the 1800s and 1900s. So all of the white nations around them don't want to trade. They don't want to be helpful in any way. Right. So. By 1915, America decides that it's going to do what we talked about when we talked about banana republics mm. and send in white American business owners to the island and say, hey, we can build your roads. We can rebuild your plantations for you. You just have to give us a piece of the pie. And from 1915 to 1934, America essentially occupies the country of Haiti. Um we create decades of political suppression and it isn't until the 1990s that Haiti is able to create its own political agency again. It's so fucked up. <laughs> so sugar and the production of sugar, just like when we were talking about nutmeg Island, like, like people were going crazy for it at the time. It was really hard to to um, produce and ship in the early 1700s, late 1600s. And it created this demand, which white Europeans decided to enslave and exploit people to meet. And that has lasting implications into how our society and how our world governments are run today. Mm -hmm. um, there is, a, we can post a link to it up on the blog, but there is... Um, a really cool like photojournalism series that someone who lives uh, in Haiti did of all of these abandoned um, sugar mills. I will copy and paste it in the chat window. So like, I was going to say, see. what is it? Um, but they're all like these rundown ruins, essentially. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so so before, sorry, go ahead. No, go, you go. I was going to say before we wrap up, I don't know how much more you have, but um, I'd really, if you're prepared, I'd really like to know why, because we changed what we were going to do for this episode, like mm -hmm. pretty abruptly, uh, not abruptly, yes. but like we changed it. Um, if you wanted to kind of comment on why you thought that this was a good episode to, or a good part of history to talk about and uh, shed some light on. Yeah. Definitely. So that that was what I had. All so I don't have anything else to say about sugar, mm -hmm. um, and sugar plantations. The reason why I wanted to do this this episode is because seeing what's going on in the world right now, and um, I've been engaged in many conversations with people who I thought were friends and decent people, who I am learning are not. Mm. Um, who I think, don't know sorry. history. That's a big part of what white people. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> white people, you need to just move on and get over it. Like, but what a lot of white people are dealing with right now is discovering that other white people that they thought were good people maybe aren't and are actually super racist. Yeah. And and that's super hard to deal with. But at the end of the day, you deal with it and you fucking move on because there are bigger problems at hand. 
Right. But sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's in that. That is like, like that's. I have to keep reminding myself. Like the emotional labor of discovering that is nothing compared to the emotional labor of like a person of color who has to to like deal with that on a daily like both mm-hmm. minuscule and monumental level like every day from like microaggressions to like major violent aggressions like but the thing that i keep finding is that people don't know their history like people don't understand how the subjugation because they're like oh slavery happened like 400 years ago what's the big deal like like they don't understand how the subjugation of entire race of people has rippled out into right. our modern society so like when we talked about food mm-hmm. deserts and how that is actually like was was started through redlining and through. I was all just these, gonna like, say yeah, redlining. Is, yeah, I, like, I actually just ordered a book that's like all about redlining. Yeah, um, it, I don't know if I'll come in, but you'll have to tell me if it's good because I like I'm down to read more stuff. Like I just like there's I have encountered so many white people in the past few weeks that don't believe systematic racism is real, mm-hmm. and. It is terrifying and disheartening and that is part of my privilege as a fellow white person that like I wasn't being forced to have conversations about race Mm -hmm. before with other white people but it like people don't understand like they just don't understand how something that happened hundreds of years ago could have ripple effects today how you know, uh, people who was exploited and subjugated hundreds of years ago continue to be exploited and subjugated just in new, more palatable ways as we eked closer to our current era. So that's and and then when I heard Trump's remarks and him mentioning the Insurrection Act, like a rage filled me. This is why I don't listen to anything he says because it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's me just hiding and I can and I can do that. And I'm lucky I can do that. But I just like I just don't listen to anything because I know that it's going to piss me off. Right. And it's and part of the part of the problem, too, with with what Trump says is like a lot of what he says are dog whistles. So the yeah. things that like, yeah. are only noticed by the people he wants to notice them or people who know their history. Right. So like like when he like the fact that he's having a fucking campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on June on the 19th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a dog whistle, right? Like people who know their history and they know about the massacre that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma because of like something that probably didn't even happen, but a potential kiss in an elevator between a white woman and a black man, how mm-hmm. like hundreds of black people were murdered in cold mm-hmm. blood. Mm-hmm. Like and to 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 have it on the day when like emancipation actually occurred like it's just it's such a slap in the face and either you you have to be oblivious to that history or you have to know that history and be okay with it mm-hmm. like to in order to accept that that's happening and i just feel like there's a lot of people who don't know the history i mean that's my hope i agree I guess. that's I, my I, hope yeah i mean I... and that's that's the case because I wasn't taught any of this shit in school and no. we're in the like I'd expect in the north because you're always taught in school that the north was the good guys yeah. and like we fought for to end slavery and for black people everywhere and like they don't teach you I didn't know any I didn't know about Juneteenth until like I think Amy you mentioned it last year yeah and I was like wait what's that and had to actually look into it so if you're not the type of person that's going to go out and find stuff or follow people who are going to lead you to those resources you're never going to know yeah like yeah 
And it's, the privilege is the not having to find out. Like that's yes. that's yes. the key is we, you know, have yeah. I'm, I'm using a collective we, you know, been able to just be like, oh, I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. Life is yeah. fine. And yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, you know what happens when I get pulled over by a cop? Yeah, nothing. I get a little nervous. And, <sighs> you know, if when in my younger years would cry and right. I would get off with mm-hmm. a warning mm-hmm. and I yeah. wasn't crying because I was in danger. I was crying because I was worried about getting a ticket. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's not um, <clears throat> yeah mm-hmm. I'm thankful like I there I have also I should preface this I have also had many good conversations in the past few weeks too where I have been able to share something with someone and that's and, great and change their maybe not change their whole mentality but like enlighten Same. them a way that they pause and they mm-hmm. think about it and I think we need to have like as white people that is our responsibility in this mm-hmm. in this world and in this situation is that we have to take on that emotional labor that we've never had to take on before yeah. so that people of color are free to grieve and free to rage and free to process this, this horrible, scary thing that continues to happen to their community. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, I don't know. I guess that's that's the only way that I've been able to feel hopeful in the past few weeks is to like is to share that history and just have really like calm conversations with people and have mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, I didn't know this happened. I've never heard of this." I've had I've had people who were, like were old enough to live through the Philadelphia police bombing a black neighborhood. <laughs> And not know that that happened, um, you know, and talk to them about that and share that history. So, and then them be like, oh, like, I'm I'm going to now put this in my back pocket and have this knowledge and and consider this before I open my mouth or make judgments or, you know, and we just have to keep picking away at that. Just keep picking away. This got heavy. This episode got really fucking heavy. I'm I mean, sorry. It's, no, it's not your fault. It's a heavy time right now. Yeah. And, you know, we we care about our, you know, the other people that live in this country that don't necessarily have the same skin color of us as us that are mm-hmm. dealing with this shit every single day. And as a white person, when you realize that it sucks and it's mm-hmm. heavy and you get really upset about it and then you realize, oh, people of color have felt this way every fucking day. <laughs> right. And yeah. I mean, I, I say that obviously it's it's kind of a blanket statement. Not every person of color has feels the same this experience. way every single day. Not one person has the same experience. But even if they don't experience this every single day, they've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, getting pulled over or whatever. Um, and it just needs it. It needs to stop. And I think if we can do our very, very, very small part of educating people on mm-hmm. some of that history, I think that's a win. Agreed. <sighs> oh. So on an uplifting note, right before we end, because of course we ended up recording for the same fucking amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But I think no, no, I think it was worth it because we did the extra time was talking about what was really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a fun note, we did get a tweet from Nikki Needs an Adult on Twitter, um, who mm-hmm. we interact with a lot. She has a really fun podcast just kind of about being an adult and figuring out how to do things like the adult way. Yeah. Um 
And I told her, that. yeah, I told her we were recording right now, now, and I was going to read this tweet on right air. Meow. So now I have, write meow. Um, so I told her we were going to read it on air. So it says, good afternoon. You should listen to Drunk Dish Pod. Whenever I listen to them, I wish I was their real life best friend. Also, they respect my drink choices and think it's okay that I like hot dogs and have never been to a diner. <laughs> And then I said, thank you. And she said, oh, thanks. And I'm drinking wine coolers and eating hot dogs. And I said, Amy is drinking a White Claw as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Nikki. That made me smile. Uh, Put that review on like a T-shirt with like a star rating and just wear it around. Because that is the best thing. It's so good. It's so good. All right. I think that's all we have for everybody this episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for sticking around. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit drunkdish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at Drunk Dish Pod and Instagram at Drunk Dish. And again, thanks for listening.